everyone, welcome to Film Code. And if you're listening to this episode right now, you are listening to a mega event discussion because we are talking Spider-Man No Way Home. Gosh, finally, finally, we've seen this movie. We're talking about it. I've got a slew of co-hosts here. We brought almost the whole the whole squad out to talk about this film. So happy to introduce them, starting off with Nick. Nick, how's it going? Super well. Uh, super excited to, to talk about this movie. This week dragged by knowing that we were going to see it on Thursday. It has finally here, finally the time to talk, and just super excited about it. Absolutely. Also joining is Brandon. Brandon, what's up, man? What's up, man? Um, I'm going to have to follow with Nick and Suit. Um, leading up to this week has been pretty quick. However, this week leading up to the day, slow as heck, man. So finally getting to this film was fantastic. I'm so excited to dive into things with you guys. So yeah, how are you, Nathan? I am well. Thanks for asking. And last but certainly not least, Zach. Zach, how you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, yeah, I've been anticipating this for a long time. Uh, huge Marvel fan. This is the movie I've probably been waiting for my whole life. So um, we're going to go ahead and talk about that here shortly. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, we've got four studs here talking about No Way Home. My name is Nathan Pig. Thank you so much for joining. And doing something a little bit different this show, we're going straight into spoilers. So this is your warning right now. If you've not seen No Way Home, I don't know why you clicked on this episode. This is a very spoiler-heavy movie. If you haven't gotten it spoiled yet, good for you. Don't let us be the ones to do it. Pause this episode right now. Come back to it after you've watched it. No spoiler-free section. We're going in right now. This is your final warning. All right, so Spider-Man No Way Home, spoiler discussion. Let's just get right into it. Let's just get right into it. Gentlemen, how do we feel right now? Overall thoughts on the film, give me like one or two sentences. Zach, we'll start with you. Uh, Going, well, I don't even feel like I need one or two sentences, to be honest. I mean, to, after seeing this movie, twice um i would say that it's honestly for me one of the best marvel movies ever made if not the best one for me personally and yeah i, I mean it's just incredible i love i love the brief thoughts brandon where do you stand right now i'm gonna have to follow up with zach here um i feel so you know like leading up to end game it's like it was on like 10 or 11 years in the making Little like we didn't know this at the time, but this film was 20 years in the making, man. Um, I ever since Tom Holland got announced, I would have been like, come on, give me the Spider-Verse, give me the Spider-Verse. And then they finally gave us a live action Spider-Verse. So I left the I left that film satisfied. I left that film happy. And I excited to tell you how I ranked it and rated it because I feel like you're just going to be absolutely appalled, Nathan. So yeah, I, I am just overall satisfied and happy and just like at, at, like at peace with this movie. Alrighty, Nick, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I, I mean, it, I, I think th three words worth the hype. It was worth the hype. Finally got to see it. 
finally here. We've been waiting all this time and it was, it was worth the hype. I love it. I love the brief, uh, brief words here, gentlemen. Thank you. I'll close us out here. Um, I have a lot of things to say about this movie, so I'm so glad that we are here talking about it. Um, quite simply, um, chronologically, right? Not something that I turn on since 2014 or that I flip on that was made in 1999. Chronologically, this is the best movie I've seen since 2019. And this is, in my mind, the best MCU movie. And I needed a second watch to, to make sure of that. But... This is the best movie I've seen chronologically since 1917. And that is incredible. So let's just kind of kick off our discussion. Where does anyone want to start? I guess we have to start with, with the beginning, right? Let's try to flow a little bit here. And starting with the beginning, I personally love that they picked up right after Far From Home because the ending of Far From Home was just too too much of a mic drop to just forget about it and leave it where it is. And it sets up the entire movie. It sets up for what happens. What do you guys think? I uh, I completely agree with you. Like, I, I was so worried that, like, I had a feeling they would pick it up somewhere where it left off, but I, f- I had a feeling they would show one or two scenes and, and like, in between that. I'm so glad they didn't. I'm so glad they used the entire, like all the, uh, all the studio like logos to like just refresh everybody on like what was said in the end credit scene. Cause 20, uh, cause 15 years down, people still are leaving Marvel movies before the credits even start rolling. So that using that as a refresher, just like leaking Spider-Man's identity, like, like during the title cards and just like, the very very beginning like first shot of the film it was great because it was much needed because you have so much to pack into you there's so much to pack into a 230 movie so they they didn't waste a single minute of their runtime i think so they just hit the ground running with this yeah i mean that that opening scene is pretty pretty awesome um I really like there's a shot where they do and I like I like some of the things they do in with this scene but I also like that um they make Peter Parker like first of all Stanley's intention with superheroes was to make them like us and my god they hit the nail on the head like Peter Parker is just a normal kid trying to go to high school right and it really shows that human side of him which I love like I like that it with him, it always is like, hey, he's actually just a high school kid going to school. And it just makes him to me so much more relatable. Um, I, I love the opening scene. It was great. I like that they had the uh, Rogers musical background in there for anyone who didn't see that Easter egg. That was great. Um, shout out to Hawkeye. Um, so, yeah, no, but that, that whole opening scene, phenomenal. I thought it set it up really well. I, there's nothing really more I can say about it. Yeah. And I, I was going to say one of, you know, I rewatched all the Spider-Man films in the last couple of weeks before watching this in anticipation, just hoping that, you know, Toby and Andrew would, would be in it. Well, something that I loved so much about Spider-Man two was that it was so grounded. Like, yes, you know, Doc Ock was out there, but 
also like in the front of, of Peter's mind was like this existential crisis of like, Oh, I'm, you know, my web shooters stopped working. I'm failing school, failing in relationships, failing at work. Like I need to put all this stuff to the side, focus on, on me. And I love that. And when you go to this movie, it's literally like, yes, everybody just found out that he's Spider-Man, but also like him and his friends are trying to get into college, which is something that, you know, you can all relate to if you've gone through high school and tried to, you know, get into college, how stressful that process is. So I just love the the groundedness of it. That's something that I feel like Spider-Man as a, a character does really well. I think it's, I think the opening of this film is very realistic for the rules that this universe sets. Like instantly you have people who take Mysterio's side. You have people who hate Spider-Man just off of a lie. Um, and you have, you know, frequent billboards and characters hating on Spider-Man simply because they believe Mysterio, who is a liar. And by God, not getting political, but we've seen how divided people can get over things they don't know if they're true or not. So we've seen that happen in particularly his past election. So I think that's so realistic in the sense that people are going to believe what they're going to believe and they're going to be super passionate about it. And the fact that people were hating on Spider-Man instantly, once they found out he was a kid, once they found out that he killed Mysterio, I mean, it's, it's insane. And, and even how it affects uh, MJ and Ned, that was, that was realistic in my mind. So I really enjoyed that. Did you see that Karen that like tried grabbing him? It was like, she's like, no, you're done. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was funny. But like, it's crazy how, just how like, they just, they basically created their own mob mentality. Like even when he starts swinging away, some guy jumps up on a taxi and tries to like dolphin dive onto him. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. So I want to talk about now feeding into, you know, the first big reveal that this movie has. And I feel like Brandon and Zach have quite a bit more to say about this than Nick and I do. So why don't you go ahead and take that away? I want to go ahead and say that my prediction on Hawkeye, when uh, we talked about how like they used Grogu force healing the episode, the day right before Rise of Skywalker, Ray force healing. They did the same thing this time around with Hawkeye bringing in Kingpin at the end of the episode just to bring in Daredevil, not even a day after. So I just want to say that my prediction was right on that, and I'm so glad it was. But oh my God, the way I gasped when his cane hit the floor and you register what it is, man, I, I'm so happy that Feige spent the time to put him the entire daredevil universe into the MCU now, because, Oh my God, season three ended in such a good way. And then they canceled it. So I'm, I'm willing to see, I'm, I'm willing to bet you that we'll get another announcement for something daredevil related, like really soon, but the way they brought him in, it works. Because he is a lawyer, he is one damn good lawyer, and like <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's, he's, a, <laughs> he's a really great lawyer. Yeah, he's a really great lawyer, as he says. <laughs> but man, like that this entire this entire opening was great because you just see like them getting interrogated. You see Ned, who isn't the brightest, just spilling the beans about everything. I thought that was hilarious. That was hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> that you just like see all the reflections of all the um, the interviewees interviewers on the other side but man i 
I couldn't have asked for a, like a better introduction for Daredevil. I'm going to stop talking now so somebody else can take it. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, for me, I'm like the complete opposite. I was like, okay, thank God that he's he was in it, but that he was only in it for one scene because Nathan and I had this conversation a couple times. He was going to watch Daredevil, and I was like, oh, I might get around to it. Well, then it was like two weeks till the the you know opening night, and we're like, yeah, we, we don't have time for that. So I'm glad that they included him. I'll have to go back and watch it now, but was glad that they only had him for one scene because of that. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, I like the way that they brought him in. It didn't take away from the movie at all. Perfect way to, to have him segue in there and then, you know, make a statement, show he's still in the, like in the, the Marvel Universe. So uh, our Marvel Cinematic Universe anyways. So um yeah i thought it was great very subtle very quick very easy yeah i mean i haven't seen daredevil um so this character reveal didn't mean as much to me as it did a lot of people that doesn't mean that i didn't think it was cool though of course i know the rumors of course i knew this could be coming um and it was still really awesome to see to me this is the perfect perfect setup perfect setup it completely did its job the scene was a minute long it showed you that bang he's here He's part of this universe. He's going to be doing something in the future. And he didn't have a major role in this movie. You're exactly right. It was brief. It was quick. It set it up. And that was great. Um, I do want to talk about, because this is a good transition, something we should have talked about at the top, but we didn't. The theater experience. I don't know about you guys, but I'd love to go first. I saw this on the biggest screen in Michigan. I There was no reserved seating. So I had to get there. 90 minutes early and stand in line to get into the theater. And once we got into the theater, it was literally a madhouse going to get your seats. People were pushing each other. People were running into each other. People were running. It was nuts, but it was fun. So it was Black Friday, but for movies. Yes. And <laughs> it was, there were 450 people in my theater. Let that sink in for a minute. 450 people in my theater and it was the biggest screen in Michigan. So that was awesome. And this was the most lively crowd I have ever had. I want you to take your end game crowd and double it. I, I promise. I, I swear to God, our end game crowd, Nick and I saw end game together. Our end game crowd was great. This was nuts. My crowd was clapping for things that there's just nothing to clap about. For example, <laughs> For example, like the characters like Lizard and Sandman, who were CGI'd almost the entire movie, they'd clap when they first got on screen. But then at the end, when you actually see their actor, when you see Thomas Hayden Church, when you see Reese Ifans, they clap for that. It was insane. Like even you just see Lizard boil down to his actor. Yeah! <laughs> oh my God, it was nuts. And then when there were other reveals, of course, which we'll talk about, you can imagine how nuts they went. So it was legitimately insane. They cheered when Electro appeared and he was blue. They cheered when Jamie Foxx was there. It was nuts. It was nuts to the point where like you didn't hear the next two or three lines of dialogue because people were cheering. So when that Kane goes down from Daredevil, instant. Instant. I didn't know who that was because I hadn't seen it. But the cane goes down. 
oh my god, it was instantly roars. Like you would think that their team just won the Super Bowl. And <laughs> before I even could, before an actor, before a face was on screen, it was just a cane because it sits there for a second. For a second, it was just, oh my god, it was uproar. And then we see the character's face. Of course, I know who Charlie Cox is. And it was it was just nuts. So I want to talk about your guys' theater experience and if it was anything like that. Brandon and I went to the same theater um, for uh, both viewings. Um, I sat on a different side of the first one. Now, the, the first one I sat in, um, it was just one of those mega screens uh, companies in NCG theaters. Um, and so I was, but where I was sitting, <laughs> those scenes you're talking about i mean there were people jumping out of their seats yeah like they were pumped and i was excited i was screaming like i mean how could you not scream in that movie with the amount of people also scream i mean it was awesome it was it was a great feeling um it it was it was incredible i've never seen anyone jump out of their seats like that for a movie ever like i and i don't mean like a couple people i mean like there were people behind me people in front of me and then across the way, all all jumping up and down. Yeah, it, it was it was it was crazy because like all right, so I do this thing called audience reactions where I just literally right before the film starts, I open my voice memos app and hit record. I am so glad I did, and then I'm so glad I also had my friend on the opposite side of the theater, the guy sitting next to Zach. I think he was recording reactions too, so we got a multi angle. Surprisingly, his was a lot. Um, the one guy, one next to Zach, was a lot louder because he just had like so many people just like right there, just screaming on the top of their lungs, just getting so hyped for things. I could not have. We we could not have asked for a better like crowd. Like like you mentioned, with the end game. End game was amazing. Like I'll 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 I'll, I'll occasionally go go back and listen to it if I ever just want to feel like excited again for things. But oh my goodness. Spider-Man fans are on a whole different level as far as hype goes. Like you had people clapping for memes. Yeah, I mean it was it was literally lines of dialogue, lines of dialogue, not even memes, like lines of dialogue. People would cheer. It was it was insane. It was legitimately insane, and I loved it because I saw it the next night. I saw it last night as well. Completely different theater. Technically, it's it's still opening night, truly, because it's the night that the movie did come out, the seventeenth. Nothing. When when Daredevil appeared on screen, when it was actually Charlie Cox, people were like, "Oh, that was our Friday crowd." Like we yeah. had like, people were clapping and stuff, but nobody was getting out of their seats. And All stuff. the super fans, I, I'm pretty sure, were there opening night. Like, yeah, yeah like, we we went we went from was- cheering as loud you thought you won the Super Bowl, people like tackling each other over Daredevil appearing, to oh, okay. Nick, what was your theater experience like? Yeah, I was going to say it's funny because I must have not been in the, that crazy crowd. I also saw it like later on in the evening at like 830 because that was the only time that I could get. Um, so maybe I, I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't have the same experience. Like, of course, of course, when big moments happen, which I know we'll talk about later, like people were were freaking out, but nothing like small little things like daredevil or doc ock appearing on the bridge like it was only for for like the bigger bigger moments but it was still a a fantastic experience to be part of it was super cool still when the goblin bomb fell on the bridge everybody just absolutely went nuts like people were clapping for doc ock but oh my god 
when they clapped when the goblin bomb showed up and when he flew in everyone was like yeah it was great so i want to get a quick prediction from the two guys that have watched daredevil and let's make this quick what is the next project daredevil appears in in the mcu Oh, it could be Hawkeye, to be honest with you. It could be Hawkeye. Um, Give me your prediction. Okay. I mean, if if it's not Hawkeye, it's going to be the show they talked about, Echo, which is which is going to be starring um, the, the, the character Echo from Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, because in the comics, she is technically his adopted daughter, Kingpin's adopted daughter. And then Daredevil, obviously that's his villain so i doubt we'll get this but i'm gonna have to follow up and also say hawkeye i can easily see there being a fight between uh, matt murdoch mm-hmm. and hawkeye as ronan during that five years because um with how things worked out between matt murdoch and the punisher like he he was trying to stop him from killing i'm thinking that he get he confronts ronan about the same thing about trying to not kill and stuff and i think they'll fight I could be way off on the spectrum on this, but I would love to see it. But also, if not, I think also Echo, um, because that is Kingpin's niece. And I can just I can see Kingpin being the bad guy of the season of that show again. All right, let's get fully into back to the movie itself. I want to talk about Spider-Man going to the Sanctum Santorum with Doctor Strange and what did we think of that whole thing? Because, well, first, I have a question to ask because I genuinely don't know. What happened to the Time Stone? Why does Doctor Strange not have that in his possession? I genuinely don't know the answer to that. Yeah, they and then literally, like, the, Thanos like, destroyed the stones. But then he has it later. He has the necklace on later. Remember, Steve okay. Rogers returned the stones back to the, oh, where they were originally. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's I right. I saying, like, what? Uh, but yeah, no, the, like Steve Rogers returned him and Thanos destroyed the real stones. Okay, that's so, right. I forgot I forgot about the returning part. I did. Yeah. Right, but then still he has the, the necklace on later. Like, he, I mean, he still wears it. the Eye of Agamotto because the Eye of Agamotto wasn't just to hold the time stone. That's that's it's a relic. And he does he did wear it the whole movie anyway. Not in the first time. Well, because he had that giant hoodie and parka coat on. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. But then because I remember because we talked about that, Nick, and then when I went back to see it again. I looked for it when he first cast the big spell. He does have it on, so okay. I genuinely didn't know. I know you, all these MCU fanboys are are disgusted at me, but sorry. Um, the I want to talk about the spell, and this is where I want to talk about the trailer being the most misleading in my mind, which I'm happy it did in this case. We have in the trailer we have Wong saying like, "Don't cast that spell. That doesn't happen." In the movie, he's like, "Just leave me out of it." And we have Strange winking at Tom, almost like, oh, we're going to do this. I got you. That doesn't happen either. And I know it's a wink. I know it's one line. Those are big lines because we thought, based on the trailer, that Strange was like going to go behind Wong's back and mess up this giant spell and ruin the world. But Wong ultimately is it's okay with this going on. Nobody's right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also, and I, I know that, you know, we're, we'll talk about this too, is the whole theory that like, it's not actually Dr. Strange in, in the movie. Like, that's, that's something I definitely want to talk about 
Yeah, um, but but I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm happy that the trailers was misleading on that. Also, too, is like Peter was the typical like annoying teenager trying to, yeah, you know, finagle this spell. And I'm, you know, glad how that whole thing like worked out because like in the trailer it wasn't the same. Like it was very dulled down. But in this, you're like, oh my gosh, shut up. Absolutely. In the trailer. You hit the nail right on the head. In the trailer, it sparked a ton of conversation. People were like, oh, Doctor Strange is the, the supposedly the Sorcerer Supreme it, because we didn't know that he wasn't. He's the Sorcerer Supreme, and some kid asked two questions, and he messes up a spell. What What is that all about? I I doubt the multiverse opens because Peter's being annoying. Like I, There was so much discussion about that. I don't know if you right. guys remember that. But then in the film, he is actually being so annoying and when you are casting those spells and you see strange he's like in his little like vibe casting these spells he was being the worst and i can totally it's believable it's very believable yep Mm -hmm. so i really enjoyed that aspect no and and i agree too with that and i do want to talk about if people if you guys think that dr strange is is actually dr strange Yes. I think he's actually Doctor Strange, but some of the ways that he is portrayed in this movie is kind of weird. Like, let's be like, if you've seen the other Doctor Strange movies, like, something does feel a little different about the character. I don't know if that's intentional. I I think he is Doctor Strange, but he just seems so much more evil in this to me. I don't know. The way I see it is Doctor Strange is one person who is normally able to stay calm about things because he knows what's going on. In his defense, the multiverse literally just opened. He has no clue what the heck is going on. So I can see him wanting to be as defensive as possible and trying to get them back to the universe as quick as possible, like not caring about what happens to them. There are so many lines that he says, though, in the movie that does not even sound like Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, does not even sound like how he's talked before. And the biggest one in my mind, especially since seeing it twice, is is when he says, be careful what you wish for, Parker. It doesn't sound anything like anything, oh. like remotely anything like the character even. So yeah. I just and, and there are a couple more instances where even the way he's talking doesn't sound at all like him. And I do want to say that, like, the quick, quick little lines of dialogue, we know how the MCU loves to sprinkle things in. Where so, someone tells him, you know, have a heart, and he just like looks away or something. He doesn't respond to it. I mean, the Doctor Strange episode of What If was titled like, "What if he lost his heart?" Or yeah, his heart. So, not saying there's anything there, but that was a really interesting tie-in. Yeah, so, yep, yeah, I I agree. I think but, there's definitely something at play with him. Right. Well. It's it's funny because I I think I'm the only one out of the four of us who hasn't seen it twice. Um, but the fight scene between him and um, Peter over the the box I thought it was super fun because that's a lot of like what we saw in the trailer. To me, like I thought that that was gonna come towards like the end of the movie, but it was super cool to get that like right at the beginning, like within the first. I I feel like it was the first like half hour of the movie um and i think that they introduced the multiverse in a very good way because it was more of like 
while we were casting this spell, every like things kind of like snuck in, like leaving the door like ajar a little bit, not like opening it wide up. I, I really like that aspect rather than being like, oh, this spell screwed everything up. Now, like everything is here. Like I liked how it just kind of like snuck in in there. I don't know how you guys thought about that. Yeah, no, I liked it. It was it was like that as well. Um, and then obviously, like prior to his fight with Doctor Strange, is when you know they the villains come in and all of this. And I, man, that was that was awesome. I mean, I'm sorry, Willem Dafoe in this movie. I I mean, I I'm I'm mind blown by by the like his his portrayal of green goblin in this, in this movie my god it it i loved it it was awesome it was beautiful man like yeah like i'm not saying it's i don't know i'm not saying he's deserving of an oscar or anything but if they like if they had an mcu oscars he would be a number one contender for best actor this year I mean, Willem Dafoe is just consistently an underrated actor. I mean, he's kind of kind of a household name, I would say a little bit. Most people know of him and he's in a lot of stuff, but I never hear anyone actually talk about his performances because he delivers a great one here. I think it's really interesting, too. I don't know if you guys heard this, but like when they approached all the villains about coming back, um, Willem Willem Dafoe said that like he's only coming back if he does all the stunts. And Alfred Molina was the exact opposite. He said he's only coming back if he doesn't do any of these stunts and they like make the make his tentacles CGI because it, it like was too painful for him last time. So I just think that's really interesting because they're around the same age. They're only a couple years apart. I just think that's really interesting. The different philosophy from long tenured actors saying like, I'm only coming back if I don't have to do stunt work and you CGI my stuff. Versus I'm only coming back if I can do this stuff. That's just, that's really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Right. And especially too, because like, it also makes sense hearing that about how much Green Goblin is in a movie versus Alfred Molina and Doc Ock. Like, you know, he's in what the bridge scene, he's like trapped underneath the basement. He comes back at the end, but pretty much like he's, he's, there's like a big chunk of the movie that he's not even in. And part of me wonders if like, the story would have been different if he would have been like, yeah, I want to be in it more than, than what it is, which, you know, we'll never know. Yeah. For, all right. So jumping back into the movie itself, how did you feel that they handled the like reveals of both of the villain characters? I think, I think bringing Doc Ock in was, first was the best choice because one, he's like, I feel like he's the most sane out of all of them. Like he's not wanting power. He's just literally wanting to create it. He was wanting to recreate his fusion reactor. And it tells you exactly where things left off. Um, as far as like where he ended, like where, like where in Spider-Man two, he got taken out of. And then also him absorbing the nanotech was beautiful. Like I, I wish we were able to get more of the nanotech, like of Doc Ock being able to use the nanotech. It was a really solid way to nerf the character. I mean, Marvel in, in the MCU specifically has had issues nerfing their characters to where they don't know how to do it, so they just don't include them, a.k.a. Captain Marvel in this movie right here. Um, they, they don't know how to nerf people in certain instances and make them too strong. 
I think this was a really great option to where you still have Alfred Molina in the movie and he's still villainous. I mean, listen to what he says, but they nerfed him down a little bit. And I, I liked that a lot. Yeah, especially too, because like in the end of Spider-Man, like he kind of like sees what he's done and he like sacrifices himself to, you know, for the greater good. So he kind of like has that redemption moment. Well, if you had him there, you'd be like, okay, well, why is he a villain again? Like, what's his motivation this time? So I agreed that 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 pulling out was was really good too. Um, I I also something that I think <clears throat> that they did really well in the movie is jumping a little bit forward. Um, when Electro and Sandman come in that battle, and then um, you so it's just like the dynamic between all the villains, their ups and downs, feeling wise. In the first scene, you know, Green um, Green Goblin, Doc Ock, they attack Peter. Right, second fight, Sandman is on Peter's side against Electro, and then once we get to the apartment where they're trying to fix everything, like Electro personally was my favorite in this movie because oh of how like. He was like, I'm not going to be nerfed. Like, I like all this power that I feel like. Why are you trying to contain us? And then that kind of, like, shifts everything towards that. Then Sandman's on his side, and then the two of them go off, and then they're in the final battle together. I think the dynamic between all the villains was something that they did really well and kind of, like, their shifting motivations and feelings on on what was going on. I was so happy for Jamie Foxx in this movie. <laughs> yeah. What a redemption. Uh, yeah, know. because if... if if we want to talk about how poorly written Andrew Garfield Spider-Man was, the cream of the crop for poorly written in this in any Spider-Man movie is is Electro. Yeah. And and this is a perfect segue into the writers of this movie making fun of prior Spider-Man movies. I think yep. that is absolutely hilarious. I mean, got to be careful where you fall. Like between Sandman and Electro talking about how they became what they are and they're like oh i fell into a pool of electric eels uh, gotta be careful where you fall that was so funny and that is the writers like poking fun at previous movies being like why did we do this why did anyone ever think this was a good idea and it's hilarious and they do that several times like i get we could talk about some of the other memes they include but specifically making fun of other movies was hilarious you're, like when you're Kirk amazing Connors when, yeah, yeah, he's like, you're amazing. Uh, when he when yeah, when Toby called and you're amazing because amazing Spider-Man. That was freaking hilarious. Um, right. And but when and it was just ahead. such it was just such fan service. Like they they know like how to make fun of themselves, which is is great. You have okay. Kurt Connors telling like lectures like, what happened to you? You used to have crooked teeth, <laughs> comb over. Yeah, what, like, come makeover? over. <laughs> Yeah, see, that's that's hilarious. That's yeah, hilarious. and and something that that I am super happy about in this movie is is the humor. Like I said this to Nathan when we were talking about it on Thursday, is that it was funny when it could be, and like serious and you know somber when it when it needed to be. Like, and and far from home. Like, and and who knows? Maybe I'll rewatch it and feel differently. But the humor in that was awful. Like it was just totally a misfire but this one it was it was hilarious like when when they were like oh you're in the avengers like is it is that a band like 
like because they don't have the Avengers in in their universes. Like like that was hilarious. Like the whole movie was just hilarious. This movie is just so genuinely funny all the way around. Um, and I when I can't believe even still like a few days later watching it twice, I still can't believe they included. You know, I'm a bit of a scientist. I'm somewhat of a scientist myself. That was so. That was their most rewarding like pay payoff for me. That was so funny. Please tell me your theater applauded for that. Oh, I, I didn't hear the next like four lines of dialogue. People were just <laughs> going. I, literally, as soon as he's like, he's like, because Tom's talking about the box and he's like, I could help you. You know, I'm d- d- roaring like he didn't even finish his sentence and people were roaring. It was insane. It took me a second to catch on to what he was saying. But as soon as he said scientists, I'm like, yes. He was like, you know, I'm somewhat of a, ah! it was insane. And then in my second viewing last night, n- n- people chuckled. They're like, huh? <laughs> I'm telling you the true fans showed up on Thursday. Yeah. But I want to talk about the, the imprisonment of these villains and allowing them to communicate with each other. I think this was such a crucial, crucial part of the film. Like, because they still don't understand the multiverse. They don't understand what's going on. But for Doc Ock to say, like, Norman died years ago, and then he's there, and then he shows up. Or, you know, Connors and Dylan recognize each other and can talk to each other. I think that was just so impactful in a moment we definitely needed, as opposed to just all these villains showing up and creating chaos. Like, giving them true motivations and allowing them to talk with each other and be like, what is going on here? That was really well done. I, I, I agree with you. Like, sorry. So, you know, like uh, there are a very slim few who haven't seen all the Spider-Man movies, but like there are, there are some that just go watch this movie, watch this movie. They use that time to not only like give these villains character, they, they use that time to also, like, give exposition as to what happened to their characters, where they were when it happened, and, like... Yeah. Because people, like, I bet you people were confused, like, that was Green Goblin alive. Oh, I'm like, well, different universes, but, like, we know that, but not everybody else knows. So I'm glad they took that time to be like, you died five years ago. He's like, no, I, I got pulled into the, at this yeah. moment. Yeah, and we want to send them home, but they die fighting Spider-Man. I just, I think that was so, so well done. So well done. And, you know, of course, one of my little complaints is like, I would have liked to see a little more villain action, but ultimately, ultimately, I'd rather get this moment of them talking about it imprisoned than, than, you know, another 10 minute action scene. Mm -hmm. Right. I completely agree. And um, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about, like, our audiences. There was this little girl sitting left of my girlfriend. She was, like, eight or nine years old. So when we booked, I, I had to book 17 tickets for us opening night. And I couldn't, I got us all in the same row, but we couldn't all sit together. So there was just this random little girl sitting left of my girlfriend. She would not stop talking about things in the film up until, like, Electra's reveal. She, like, you'll have Peter be like, did you guys see that? And she's like, behind you, Spider-Man. There was this guy to like my back right, a row behind me. He's like, hey, shut up. <laughs> it was so funny. We were all like, thank you. Um, the fight between Doctor Strange and Spider-Man is what I'd like to talk about next. Um, that was really well done, especially with the CGI and the graphics of it all. 
Um, what'd you guys think about that? I like that they showed Peter's brains in this. Like Peter's a smart guy, you know, throughout the comics, throughout all, all of Marvel, Peter, Peter's a genius, right? I think this is a really great way to show, like, hey, yeah, if he goes toe-to-toe with him, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna lose. But if he uses like his mind, like the like and how talented and smart Spider-Man actually is, easy, easy win for him, hands down. I thought that was great. Yeah, and it was cool how he was like out of his body and he was still like moving the box around the spider sense. Yeah. Did you guys, they you guys really see- they really showed how powerful the spider sense is in this movie, too. Right. I, I really like that. So that's going to lead into the, all of them going to Happy's condo. Yeah. And this is more genuine humor that doesn't even have anything to do with prior movies, doesn't have anything to do with meme culture. Like when Doc Ock is like, no lab, nothing. You just want to perform miracles in a condominium. That was hilarious. That <laughs> right. was hilarious. Um, and I liked, Nick and I talked about this Thursday after we saw it, that I wasn't the biggest fan of that. Like, all these villains that are iconic coming in and just kind of hanging out in a condo. I wasn't the biggest fan of that until I saw it again. And I did think it worked. So I'm going to credit Nick for that. Cause he's like, Oh, you never know. Maybe it'll change next time. And it did. I was a fan of it. So what did you guys think of that whole thing? I also love like that. They're sitting there. And I, one of my favorite parts is when um, I, I forget who's talking to electro. I forget who it is, but um they're sitting there talking and he's like, wow, all the potential. And he's like, what, the condo? He's like, yeah, man, the condo. <laughs> like they're, Damn, they're making, so making fun of it, like the fact that they're in the condo. I, I, I thought that was great. That, that was Sandman talking to him. I, I love how they spent the time, like, even, they even, like, as much as I would love, love to see, like, Thomas Hayden Church, like, actually in human form this whole time, which they could have easily done. I find it so funny that he was in sand form, sat on the couch, got sand all over the place. He's like, sorry. Yeah. He's like trying to wipe it up, getting some more sand on there. Brandon, I could not disagree with you more. I, I love Sandman as a villain. I think he's so cool. And even just looking at him is cool. I'm so glad we saw him instead of just some buff man. <laughs> like, Well, no, I, I, I'm, I'm saying as far as like, I'm glad are you saw it like as his human form. Yeah, I wouldn't want okay. just human Sandman just walking around like, whoa. I, I, Sandman's sweet. Yeah, Sandman is sweet. I, and, but speaking I, but I, of... But speaking, I do love that he was like, oh, sorry, on the couch. <laughs> speaking of, uh, like, high key, I want Thomas Hayden Church to be in every, like, voice cast ever. Like, his deep voice was just so soothing. I don't know. I'm, I think I'm the only person alive that feels like that. But, like... His voice work in this was incredible. It was just so cool. Anyway, um, I think this was a natural way to talk about like fixing these villains and re- taking Doc Ock off the table as a villain, giving these motivations and moving the story forward. This felt like a very natural thing to do. Yeah, I think they did it really well. Um, and now saying that I really want to talk about what happens next after they're in the condo after Peter feels his space sense because the next thing that happens is such a I, I mean I, I loved how they did it and I know you guys said this is a funny mo- movie and I agree it is 100% funny movie this was a great serious moment for this movie they didn't make fun of it either 
you know, it was 100% serious. Absolutely. With, with, especially with Jay Jonah Jameson standing right outside, they had the potential to make this a funny moment or even cut away for a couple seconds and make it funny. They didn't. And I'm really proud of the MCU for doing that because they've had a comedy problem as of late. And you're right. This was a great serious moment. And, um, Aunt May saying with great power comes great responsibility. I'm just glad it was said. Like, I'm glad it was said. Um, it doesn't have to be Uncle Ben, especially with how they've established Aunt May's character. My second viewing, um, someone was like, when she said it, someone was like, oh, really? She can't say that. And the girl next to me was like, shut up. <laughs> it, was, it was weird. I'm glad, was super weird. I'm glad that, that that whole moment happened. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy is like my first viewing, I'm like, everyone's looking at Peter during that scene where he's like using his like spidey sense to try and figure out what's going on. This second time around, I would, I had my eyes like glued to him to film. Like I need to see his body motions. I need to see what he's doing. Right. And, and for me, right. In the, in the first Spider-Man, when it was kind of like he had these dual personalities with, with green goblin, I was like, okay, that's kind of a little bit strange but it's fine this one i i really liked it i i think the dual personalities like really worked um and made me change my perspective on green goblin as a character mm-hmm. this is a little thing for me i wish that he would have wore the mask i think the like he is he looks super cool with with the mask and everything like that i i wish he would have worn worn the mask but you know what are you gonna do they're trying to make it more comic accurate. Yeah. Because right. the, the mask was no, yeah. like nothing like the comic. Um, but then, I, then, I want to... Wait, here, I'm looking at that. I want to talk about, though, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, the original Spider-Man, as nostalgic as it is, as trailblazing as it is, I agree. I, I don't I don't like Willem Dafoe's split personality in that movie. I just don't think it's written very well. I don't think it's believable that, like, he's being controlled by something else. And I really liked it in this movie. I think I think they did a really good job with it. It was believable. Uh, so I really love there's there's one fight scene I love with them. One part of that fight scene I love with them with Green Goblin and Spider-Man, which is where you really see how crazy and menacing he is when Spider-Man is on top of him, beating the absolute crap out of him. And he's laughing. Yeah, like yeah. that scene. Oh my gosh, I I love that that part right there. That uh, I mean, you just really see how mentally ill like Green Goblin is. I I thought that was really good. I completely agree. Uh, see, something that I loved was I don't know if you like I know Zach has. I don't know if any of you guys have played like the Spider Man video game. Yeah, like I have. Ones. don't spoil it too much. I'm, I I'm not. I, I, I was, I'm not talking about story wise, but okay, okay. the web finishers he's able to do in there. Peter pulled out some of them in this one, like when he was when they were on the condo, like out on the on the patio. There was some kind of flip he did with his web, where like he literally pulled it right out of the video game. It was awesome. That's yeah. Cool. I need I need to get a PlayStation just so I can play that. Like that is that is my sole motivation. That's why I have one. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That that is that is my sole motivation is is to get that. But I'm also not going to pay a thousand dollars for a PS5 right now. So, um, okay. So, Aunt May's death, uh, yeah. pretty significant. I don't think she was just. I don't think she was a great character in the MCU overall. 
just she didn't get a ton of time, but the death was still really impactful. And it definitely set up Spider-Man to have his redemptive arc in a sense of like his revenge arc, I guess is a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I get it. And and like, you know, in, in a later scene, like, you know, they're talking about the people that, that they lost. And it's just so, so relatable for Peter in, in, in that moment. Well, and even at the end, like it takes, it takes, um, he, he wants to kill him. He wants to kill Green Goblin at the yeah. end. And it takes everything in his power to eventually save him. And I think that was a huge moment for Tom Holland, Spider-Man, because we've seen him make mistakes. We've seen him be so immature, especially in Far From Home and earlier in this movie. And he could have just let his emotions get the best of him and kill the person that killed his aunt, but he didn't. And I think that the key to setting that arc up was obviously the death first. So I, I want to say, I think they did a really good job with Aunt May's death because at first we're like, oh, she's fine, right? Oh, yeah. Like, er- everyone in my art theater at first was like, whatever, you know, like, okay, cool. She's up, she's moving, whatever. And, you know, come to find out, like, no, she's actually, like, seriously injured and, and dying. And I thought it was also really great that they chose Green Goblin, the person who died by his own board the first movie the fact that he's the one responsible also for turning peter into this this next version of spider-man i thought it was great that now it's like instead of the board killing him like this is a part where it actually worked and he actually like killed the person that peter loves the most you know right yeah and see i thought that she had gotten stabbed by the board but they but like you said she got up and was was good I also liked when when she says the the great responsibility line that it's not like word for word like it's kind of like her own little like it's a little bit different wording wise which I which I appreciated I guess you could say yeah uh, so I feel like we're at the highlight of the film uh, as to wait. the the you know what scene wait wait before that scene before what? that scene I want to say I really like the shot of Tom Holland in the rain like in the yes. shade Jonah Jameson talking like the voiceover yeah yeah, yeah that yeah, was yeah. really well done yeah that was great um and then you know we get the scene with which just appears to be ned and mj sitting at a table um and it turns out to be so much more than that and i think that it is just perfect how toby and andrew are introduced into this movie i think it's perfect i, I would a thousand percent have this over like Electro's about to kill Tom Holland and then whoa Spider-Man swings out of nowhere and saves him bam Andrew's in it no this was perfect this was perfect and I I just I'm in love with this scene this is a scene that's going to go down as like one of my favorite scenes ever and it was perfectly executed yeah and I've watched this scene on YouTube multiple times just to get like that same feel like it still is just incredible because you know when ned steals you know the the ring right the the whatever they're calling ring yeah i i personally didn't think too much of it i just thought it was like a in the moment thing like wasn't going to come back but then like for like nathan said it was absolutely perfect the way that they included it because 
they're like, oh, Peter, Peter. And you can like see the alleyway. And I knew like oh, that, 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 that's not Tom Holland just because of like what he's been wearing in the movie already suit wise. I was like, oh, that's, that's not Tom Holland. And like, as he gets closer, I'm like, it's not Tom Holland. Well, and, and like, show me Peter Parker, show me Peter Parker. Like we are all as an audience knowing that like these guys are most likely going to be in it. The clock is running out. Like they're most likely going to be in it. And just the way they're setting it up. And then you see a figure in the alleyway before you can even tell that it's the suit. Like you're like this, this has got to be it. This has got to be it. Right. And then when he turns around, you see the eyes because the eyes are definitely different. Yeah. My theater knew right then and there. My theater was before I knew it was Andrew Garfield. My theater definitely knew it was Andrew Garfield. They, this is where people were tackling each other. It was insane. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, see, when the portal opened, I'm like, when he was like, show me Peter Parker, I'm like, all right, we're going to get Tom, we're going to get an emotional moment. The portal opens, and I'm like, it doesn't really look like Tom, and he looks, and he looks at the camera, and you see the eyes, everyone's like, everyone's gasping, everyone's cheering, not even knowing it's him, and he starts running closer, and like, nobody claps until he walks through the portal, because we thought we're all going to get baited by like, them closing the portal before he walks through. When he walks in, everybody just goes absolute nuts it's a hyper hyper specific worry right there i love (laughs) i love how like everyone's trying to hear oh my power just went out uh i love how everyone just hears the um the way things just like the way he sounds um that hello that that knocked me out for a second all right (laughs) i love the way like everyone just shuts up trying to hear what the him and the grandma are saying and then boom he takes the mask off and everybody just goes absolute nuts again. Oh, see, no, nope, that did not happen with me. It was as soon as you see the big eyes, it was cheering for like the next 90 seconds straight. The yeah. the dialogue between him and the grandma, no fucking idea. No idea what was said. And then he takes the mask off. No idea what was said. I, I of course I know that's Andrew Garfield. Of course I know that. But like, no idea what he says. Really, I don't hear anything until until like Zendaya throws the bread at him. That's like the first thing I hear. <laughs> Because him talking to the grandma and then like him running to the the portal. Nope, nope. It was just full on screaming. I I really love and I loved how skeptical MJ and Ned are of this Spider Man. She's like he. She's like you don't have angle. He's like well not with bread. Yeah, I love how subtle he does it too. He's like okay, I get it. You're mistrusting. You have issues. (laughs) Right. He just puts his hand up and he's like, there, I'm Spider Man. (laughs) Yeah, that that was great. And then of course, you know, Tobey Maguire pops in. I like how it was different too because like he was one of those people that like got sucked in to the universe a little bit and was already like there. I liked how that was different and not just like him especially like when he goes like this like pulls down his his like shirt that he has on to like show the spider-man suit like sitting sitting here thinking about it like it just i still think it's just crazy that that they're in the movie like i just it's still just crazy to me i love that they introduced toby immediately after andrew oh yeah they didn't they didn't set up because we know as an audience you get one you get them both like it's not like they're only gonna put one of them in and I love that. And regardless of whose favorites are who, are who, obviously Toby's the more tenured and I would say like experienced Spider-Man. So I'm glad that they put him in right away as opposed to like waiting for a more opportune time instead of being like, okay, Andrew's here. When's Toby going to show up? 
oh, he shows up four scenes later when he's needed. Like, I like I, when they actually did it. I think that um, the way they introduced him was good. I And also, I, I love, okay, in the movie, it's almost as if, like, you're watching a play, right? Like, where they're trying to engage the audience because they're like, oh, I guess we're just going to keep doing this until we get the right Peter Parker. And it's yeah. like, it was like, like, yeah. it was like, oh, okay, that's what we're doing. Like immediately, I think everyone kind of knew from that point. They're like, okay, this is, this is awesome. So I, I really liked how they introduced Toby. Um, and then some of the dialogue, I like that they immediately are skeptical of each other, like shooting webs at each other. Mm -hmm. Like they don't even really talk. They're like, oh, you're not, you're not their friend. And then they just get like start fighting almost immediately a little bit. Not yeah, really a huge fight, but you know. And I love too that the dialogue is written so that they say the same things, and they're like, "I just said yes. that. He just said that. That that was that was great because they're the same person. They are the yeah. same person. So I mean, it was it was really cool. That scene liked, was perfect. I and I feel like they did really a really great job with some of a lot. I mean, we're gonna get to that in a little bit, but a lot of their dialogue. Like so, so much of the dialogue for Andrew and Toby was really well written. I I thought it was great. Um, yeah, yeah, and and I loved every interaction between the yes. three of them when they go to when they go to Midtown, and it's a really great scene when when Tom is is emotional because he just lost Aunt May and. Obviously, they're the same person, but they all have different experiences. Like, you know, I thought uh, with Toby, he was like, oh, it was my Uncle Ben. And I was like, oh, Andrew's going to say my Uncle Ben, too. But he was like, oh, it was Gwen, you know, and like Gwen was my MJ. And and I think it's set up for the scene down the line, too, um, with him and, and Zendaya. But that scene on, on the roof was just super, super cool how they like, can you know, cheered him up and like got him back on his feet and you know when they were in the lab like there was some great humor in there but of yeah. course like when they were you know talking about the differences with their web shooters and you know even when it goes to when they're on the statue of liberty which is hilarious that they were adding the the freaking captain america shield to the statue of liberty but even there like when they're like oh well who did you fight Oh, well, I fought them. Well, who did you fight? Oh, you were in space. Like, like I just think all that was was great. The whole the whole thing, every time that they interacted together was was great. It was like a bunch of old like college buddies getting back together and and sharing their experiences. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about you mentioned the roof scene, like when they first meet each other. I love, first of all, Tom, again, we talked about how like his his spider senses were so strong this movie like he realizes that something's not right he realizes people are there before zendaya tells him like oh there are people here because you see him start to look up and like look around and she's like there are some people here but i love that tom is so broken over what just happened that literally two other spider-men appear and he doesn't give a shit he doesn't care he he's like right. i don't i don't like thanks for coming but i have to send you back and I love that because, of course, we as an audience are so hype. We're so emotional. We're so ready to see them together. And the first thing they do together is like, I, I don't care. I'm sending you back. Yeah. And I just think that was really, really strong uh, and well-developed. Uh, I completely agree. 
Yeah, and then so I know the next scene is where they go to the lab, and we're going to talk about that. But um, when it comes to the Statue of Liberty, there, there's when we start talking about that, there's one thing I want to say because there's a part of that scene that I really picked up on, one of my favorites in the fight. And uh, yeah, but I think you know from here, obviously they go to the lab, um, and they show purpose for Aunt May's death, and it's like. For you to become who you need to become, like this is this will happen, and that's going to stay with you forever. Yeah, um, and I, right, and I like how they're talking about who they're going to fix and who they're going to make yeah. the serum for. And I didn't pick this up the first time; I really didn't. But like Toby says, like I've been thinking about this for a long time, and him and Tom like share a look, and he's like, "We have to save him. Like we're not going to kill him." Um, and I just think that was really powerful, and I think they really, I think the writers knew that like Ned and Hobgoblin talk was going on and they purposely included so much humor with that. I think they knew it, whether it was in rewrites after rumors came out or whether they like wanted to do it from the get go, there was so much talk about Ned becoming a villain and becoming the Hobgoblin and they 100% put it to bed. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it can't happen because of course it can, but like with how much jokes they put in about it, I think that's basically the writers telling us this is not going to happen. Yeah, I found that part so funny. Oh, because like one, <laughs> like I mean, yeah, it's a serious moment. He's like, "Did you have any? Fr- do you have any best friends?" He's like, "I had one." Like you're thinking James Franco's like Harry Osborne. He's like, "Well, he got stabbed with his own glider. He saved my life after trying to kill me." Like, yes, that's a serious moment. It's a, but it's also funny because we know that happened. And then Ned's reaction is like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. That was a really funny moment. That was the only time my theater laughed last night, unfortunately. Um, but and, and Andrew and um, Toby get a moment. You know, I think I think that was just so cool. I think it was so cool. And then, you know, they go and they suit up at the Statue of Liberty. So, Zach, what did you want to say about that? Well, actually, before we even talk about that, can we just talk about how they all they basically did the Spider-Man pointing meme? Like, um yeah i this is this is my biggest issue with it is that that was that was so lame really yeah Yeah. like if you're gonna commit to it right if you're gonna commit to the meme do it all the way like when willem defoe says word for word when he says word for word i'm somewhat of a scientist myself he didn't say oh yeah i'm i used to be a scientist in my past like then no one would get it like right yeah us diehard super fans like recognize that they you wanted them done in the suits. You wanted them. Yes. When yes. they when they yeah. were at the Statue of Liberty talking about, yeah, oh, I'm yeah. Peter one. I'm Peter two. Oh, I guess I'm Peter three. That was the perfect opportunity to do it. That was the perfect yeah. one. They could have been like, are you Peter one? Are you Peter? They, that was the perfect opportunity to do it. And when they're all like in lab coats and the, the timing was, I, I know that they were going for it, but they could have done it better. So Statue of Liberty scene, what I, what I want to say about that, since we're about to talk about this, I'm skipping ahead just a little bit here to, to where they actually work together and stuff um, and, and kind of towards the end of, of the battle, uh, but they're, when they start fighting Green Goblin. But um, my favorite scene in this entire movie is when Andrew Garfield gets to save MJ. Yes, a- Absolutely. absolutely favorite scene in this entire movie and what i realized yesterday after rewatching it is this is so cool to me like and i don't know if if they meant to do this or if it's just me looking too much into it but 
Tom Holland, Spider-Man, when he is up there, he's making a video. He says, hey, we're going to meet at the place where second chances happen. This is where Andrew Garfield also gets his second chance. Oh, my God, that was awesome. That uh, I mean, that 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 scene, the fact that they're like, oh, no, Tom's like I said, this is where Andrew gets his redemption. And like that moment he shares with MJ. Oh, it makes my heart so warm. Like that was that, yeah. was, that was awesome. Yeah. And, and you can see like a little bit. He gets emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Not and, even a little bit. Yeah. They definitely he definitely does. Yeah. He gets emotional and it's it, it's incredible it's it's the second best scene in this movie um behind when they've when they all come in for me but it's it's just an incredible scene because they hinted to it in the trailer and it's it's funny because i at first i thought it was the um in the first movie where green goblin like makes him choose between the kids and and uh mj and i was talking to nathan and he was like oh no you still haven't seen it yet and then I watched The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and I was like, ah, I get it now. And and seeing that scene, t- like, yesterday or two days ago, it was it was just awesome. So it was it was fantastic. This scene gives me chills just talking about it. It just yeah, – it does. It does. I mean, the to me, that is easily the best scene in the Amazing Spider-Man movies is when, you know, Gwen dies because – it shows the repercussions. It shows that not everything can be sunshine and rainbows and that sometimes bad things do happen. And Andrew, of course, talks about it in this movie and it's clearly weighing on his mind. And he even talks to Toby about it in the lab, like, you know, just still trying to to move on and things like that. And I love how when this happens, you're right. It's his second chance. This is so perfect that it's heartwarming. It's chilling it is remarkably done perfectly and i love that tom goes for her too like tom goes to get his girl but he can't but he can't and and that's when andrew comes in and does it it was so perfect love that he gets emotional love that he almost starts to cry because he's like i did it and he's thinking about like why why couldn't i do this last time something like that it was it was perfect yeah it was it was incredible now going back from that I love their entire interaction around the Statue of Liberty with them talking about his web shooters. Like, whoa, man, how does that how does that stuff work with Toby and his organic web shooters? Right. Like, that was that was and that's where I so said cool. earlier, like the comedy when they could put it in there to make it work, it worked. Like it it worked. Him cracking could, his back. I mean <laughs> I, yeah. I could watch I could watch them just talking with each other for like three hours and I could be content. Yeah, exactly. They they could make a whole like spin-off series, Spider-Man as, table talk, and it would as, be incredible. As if I hadn't said this enough, when they were talking about the villains they fought, and Toby was like, Oh yeah, I fat fought some black slime alien from space, clearly referencing Venom. The whole theater just started cheering. Like the, yeah. the Venom hasn't even shown up or anything, and, and everyone's just going crazy because they mentioned him. You know, right. And see, I thought he was gonna show up, but you know nathan i yeah 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 I'll, but i i get it i get it why he why why he didn't yeah but uh and nathan back to your point of what you said about them making fun of previous movies i love how andrew garfield spider-man is like yeah the craziest i thought was a, a russian guy in a rhinoceros uh a super armor out you know outfit. yeah because <laughs> like it is that, crazy. that was awesome <laughs> 
Um, we're getting a little bit shorter on time here. So I did want to talk about, you know, them working together was great. Um, okay. Them, you know, being able to cure each other was awesome. But the one thing I did want to talk about was how overpowered Electro was. But it, Doc Ock is the one to ultimately shut him down. Mm-hmm. I think that was a really nice twist, especially since they were kind of hanging out the whole time or in the beginning when they were, you know, imprisoned. I think that was really nice twist. What did you guys think of that? Oh, I completely agree. Cause I'm like, I, the entire time it, it, it's, it's one of those, I, I felt like it was another one of those bro. Where's like, it was a, where is Captain Marvel scenario in the third act of Endgame? It was a, where is Doc Ock? Cause he has been like gone this whole time. Right. Yeah. So him showing up and just basically saving everybody, like throwing that thing on Electro, which great. Everybody yeah. cheered when that happened. And man, that reunite the reunition scene between old to older Toby and Doc Ock. Oh my god, I could have cried, man. Like I loved that scene. Yeah, where he's like, You've grown up. Yeah. yeah. You've grown up. He's like, Well, he's like, How have you been, good boy? He's like, trying to do better. Like he said in Spider-Man 2. He's like, he's like, You're Connor student. He tells me you're brilliant. It also says you're lazy. Well, I'm trying right. to do better yeah 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 exactly and and i i love the callback to to like when they were all imprisoned i totally forgot about this until just now but like i forget who says it but when they're like oh that tree is that like a, a tree man monster no nah, it's just a tree like that that's what <laughs> that, that was, was funny see the that mcu knows how to do humor they just choose to pick and choose the wrong times to do it um and then i, I do want to talk about electro and um and Andrew talking and how he mentions, you know, maybe there's maybe someday oh, we'll get a black yeah. Spider-Man. I just think that was Miles. so great. I mean, clearly they wrote that in for a reason. Clearly we know what we're talking about. And to me, when they write in the like Ned Hobgoblin stuff, that's the writer saying this isn't going to happen. So stop talking about it. This is the writer saying this is going to happen. We're giving yeah. you, we talked about Charlie Cox getting set up. This is them setting up through dialogue uh-huh. i mean miles is definitely coming live action mcu yeah. at some and point I, and i i really hope it's uh shameek moore who who gets to be miles because you know obviously he voices him and everything but um the one thing obviously you know we talked a little bit about the green goblin fight on the end with the shield and everything and how you know toby comes in there and, and stops him for from killing the green goblin i i thought that was was really cool but my favorite aspect in the, the ending, right, before the coffee shop scene was in the beginning, and we, we talked about this earlier, is when they were first casting the spell, Tom was like, no, I, I want my girlfriend, and I want Ned, and, you know, I want my Aunt May, and I want all these people, right? Well, you can see that he's learned from that. Mm-hmm. He's learned. He's like knows that Doctor Strange can't stop everybody from coming. And the only way that they can do it is cast the new spell where everybody forgets. And he's okay with that. Like, of course, like, he's learned from from this whole experience. And I think that that really embodies, like, his characters. He has learned from the mistakes that that he had earlier on in, in the movie that created this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, real quick. I want to talk about that money shot that we got of them all together. 
I just love that. You have three different Spider-Man poses. You have just uh, the theater going nuts. The and middle then, one is Tom Holland doing the PS5 pose of Spider-Man when when they after they lose like the first time say hey we're not we don't act like a team that pose that he makes is from the PS5 Spider-Man game and he references that later um, in in uh, interviews and stuff. I mean, I just think that that's going to be the the most iconic shot from the film. Um, and I love to, this is such a little thing, but they land in order of the movies, like Toby lands first and then Andrew and then Tom. I, I just think I, that was, of course, done intentionally. And I think that was really cool. But um, we do have to wrap this up. So I want to talk about the the new suit, the new Spider-Man suit he has at the end. I love it. I, I don't have much else to say other than that's probably my favorite suit so far. It's just so clean. It's the most it's the most accurate to the comics that I've seen like ever so far of all the variants. I I do want to mention just like this new version of Peter. Nobody knows who he is. They just know that Spider-Man's out there fighting crime, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He made his own suit. He's he no longer has any Stark tech. This could easily be the start of his own trilogy if they decide to go with Spider-Man 4, 5 and 6 because like he could easily do his own trilogy now. He's a he's he's like he's just pretty much Peter Parker now. He's a broke college student trying to do better, and he is like nobody knows who he is. He's I I one thousand percent agree because in this they did not set up the Sinister Six, and I still think they have the shot too. They still have Vulture out there. The MCU brings back dead people all the time. I think they could bring back Mysterio. I think there's so many incredible Spider-Man villains out there. Of course. Kingpin just got introduced. Um, you know, Venom's out there. Like, if they go the route with Hobgoblin, like, they they can do a Sinister Six. Like, of course, it'd be sweet with Green Goblin and Doc Ock and, you know, the Lizard and everything. But they could do, like, a new generation Sinister Six. And I just think that'd be absolutely so cool. This, the coffee shop scene was, was another one of my favorites. Just because it, you can... It's like he got prepared, like he's going to say, like, you know, all these things. And, you know, he doesn't like I, I just think that that scene was so well done and just absolutely incredible. I want to touch on I want to touch on real quick before we before we talk about the end credit scene real quick is that they wrote themselves an out like this is a very um, great ending to this film. It's a very conclusive ending. But Sony and Marvel wrote themselves an out if they need to. I'm not saying mm-hmm. this motivated them to write the ending this way, but let's talk about this. No one knows who Peter Parker is. No one, not the Avengers, no one. So really, like if Peter Parker never appears on screen again, that's not going to happen. But like if Tom Holland's Peter Parker never appears on screen again, that's okay. Like yeah, they exactly. wrote himself in out. And it's there's no denying that Sony and Disney have had their butting heads over this character sony wants to use him for their own movies the contract was up i know that they're talking about making more but like if tom holland never appears in the mcu again they wrote themselves a way to make that logically look at look at the position we're in right now with black panther we're like what are they going to do what are they going to do they can't just say oh yeah he's gone they can't do that in the mcu now with this tom holland spider-man they can do that exactly like so they all right so they Shout gave themselves flexibility. Shout out to right. the cinema chat. I was talking to Tyler about this last night. Like I, I literally just said the same thing you are. Like 
they wrote themselves an out because they can easily break off from like Marvel Studios now. You can still have him with the experience of the stuff that happened in the MCU, but you don't need him in the MCU anymore. You give us a trilogy where it's just Sony, him on his own. Give us all this give us all the Spider-Man licenses you can. Boom. You got a good you got a good thing going for you. You could still bring back MJ, you can still bring back Ned, or you can keep Ned and the MCU and train him to become a sorcerer. So I want to talk about the post-credit scene now. And um Zach, your first episode here with us was on Venom. It's been a little bit since you've had something to say. You you take it away with this one. Yeah. Um I'm not going to lie. The end credit scene was probably the most confusing part for me. Like, and here's why, because he, he's in the universe. He automatically gets pulled back. First of all, I don't understand how he got there. Cause he doesn't know who Peter Parker is. Right. Cause in the beginning, so this is the one that didn't really line up for me is it's in the beginning. They're talking about people coming through and anyone who knows Peter Parker is going to come through. He still comes in somehow. He has no, he's never seen Peter Parker before. He doesn't, he doesn't know the name. Yeah. Right? So it's kind of confusing how he's there. Secondly, the, the whole Venom thing and him being left there. Who, like, is there another, like, Eddie Brock in this? Ver- you know, it, there's just so many questions on where, the, what they're going to do with that scene. And it's kind of blurry right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just a little confusing to me on where they're going to go with this. Well, they're going to set up the black suit, right? That's, I mean, that's I knew one that. Thing. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I thought they were setting it up perfect for a Venom versus Spider-Man yeah. movie. And at least at this point, it doesn't seem that way. No. Um, but yeah. Okay. Let's go ahead. You got something to say, Brandon? Multiverse of Madness, really quickly. I just want to touch on this. Sam Raimi is not pulling any punches. And uh, if you haven't finished What If yet, Nathan, you need to because that Doctor Strange episode, that was the evil Doctor Strange. Yeah, I, I literally referenced that earlier. Um, the Let's wrap this up here, guys. Um, all right. Final scores for Spider-Man. Zach, why don't you go first? Five out of five, man. Five out of five. Absolutely. Brandon? Solid five out of five. This just absolutely beat any expectations I had for this movie, and it cracked my top ten of all time. Nick? Well, let's go back. Zach, where is this in in MCU, Brandon? Where is this in MCU? Number one. All right, we'll see. I think the the clear outlier here, I've only seen it one time. I'm going to go with four and a half for now. Um, I do want to see it again. My girlfriend and I are going to see it um, in a couple weeks here. Um, so for me, it's a four and a half out of five. It's obviously the best Spider-Man movie and probably like two or three right now on, on the MCU. But like I said, you guys have all seen it twice and I have a feeling I know where Nathan's going. So I told Nick, uh, after first viewing that I was leaning more into a four out of five, four and a half out of five, but a five was on the table and I felt like this was the best MCU movie but I also gave Infinity War five stars. I don't know. I, I was kind of in limbo on what to do. I saw it again. Everything held up the exact same way. And I said it earlier, chronologically, with release dates, this is the best movie I've seen since 1917. Um, this is 
absolutely a five-star movie. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. Nathan gives a five-star. This, that is, is... <laughs> this is a five-star movie to me. Um, and I can't believe it. So this is the first five-star movie I've given since 1917 in, in chronological order. Again, not something I watched from 2014 yesterday. So pretty crazy, but we'll see if Nick upgrades here in a few weeks, but we got to wrap this up guys. Um, this has been film code. We are going to push our film code to next week. And um, Nick, where can everyone find you? You are on mute, sir. Can find me on letterbox at Nick Spain doing all my, uh, you can see all my thoughts on Spider-Man's cause I just rewatched those and yeah. Zach, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Zach Sneath. That's Z-A-C-H-S-N is a Nancy E-A-T-H. Um, you can find me on Letterboxd at Z Sneaks. Okay, Brandon. I am officially done with Twitter, so you guys can find me on Letterboxd at F-A-N-T-A-S-M-I-C Ears on Letterboxd. That's Fantasmic Ears. Go check out what I'm watching. And yeah, thank you guys again for listening. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Nathan Pig or on Twitter at NathanPig5. Make sure you also go uh, follow all of us. Stay up to date with our takes. Make sure you follow the show over on Twitter at FilmCodePod as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. Can't believe we've done No Way Home. And it's just crazy. The end of an era. Can't believe it. Thank you guys so much for listening.